Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Um, so, are we ready to go? Mark. We're ready to go with Mark. We're here at Mark chapter 1, verses 29. I've really gone way off beam today, um, not using PowerPoint. That'll rattle you, I know. I know. See, like, like I say, see, someone's rattled already. Uh, so you can use your paper Bibles or it's on the Version. You can download the Bible.com app, Version. look at uh, more uh, and then events and then Horsham Church of Christ is there. We do have it up on the screen as well, I think. Thanks, Gary. Um, look, this is, uh, I, I love this passage. Uh, I love this text and every time I read this text it brings a smile to my face. And what I hope to do today is simply just uh, highlight a few things, explore a couple of things, uh, and I hope that I don't make it oversimplistic for people. But what I want to do in this text today is simply invite us to consider uh, the way that Jesus moved, the kind of rhythm that Jesus had, and how simply he actually invites us to participate in that rhythm. I think it's a rhythm that Mark kind of condenses so that as we read the rest of the story, as Mark tells the rest of the story of what Je- who Jesus was and what Jesus did, you'll see this rhythm unfold in different ways throughout the rest of the Gospel of Mark. And I think, it, I think it's a beautiful text. I think it's beautiful in its introduction. I think it's a beautiful way in which Mark simply kind of touches on a couple of things and then he's going to unpack them as, as quickly as Mark unpacks them. I read a text in this last week that says, uh, the, Mark uses the word um, immediately that many times in the original language that the translators chose not to use it in the English language. So everything happens really successive, really quickly, according to Mark. He's urgent. He's got a story to tell. and He's moving from one thing, and he uses the word, and you'll see it um, often, often enough, he'll use words like at once or immediately and then. And it happens that often in the original language that it's not translated fully in the English translation. You get that? All right, so come with me in this urgency come with you in this this constant moving and story to tell and invitation to be a part of and readiness as we discern and explore what it looks like to follow Jesus. Are you ready to go today? All right. I'll just read it off there. Gary, you're right to go, mate. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. 
So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, just hold that there for a sec, Gary. I'll get you to go back a couple. I'll get you to, but just hold it there for a sec. I just want to make, I don't know if anyone else sees this, but Jesus starts and finishes in the synagogues. I don't know if he's driving out demons in the synagogue here. Do you get that? Do you see that or not? Um, I don't know. It's a quirky way of saying things. But here's the rhythm. If you go back to the first slide there, Gary, for me, please, mate. We're just going to read through the text again in different ways. The title of my message today, and you'll see titles in different ways and different expressions in the newsletter that's out again today, from church to home to community. Not very inspiring, and perhaps in that you've already got the message and you already understand what we're doing. But I think it's as simple as that sometimes. We need to grasp these simple ideas. Where does Jesus start? It's not a trick question. In the synagogue, thank you. In the synagogues. He starts there. Now, there's lots of critique around the synagogues. Jesus has lots of strong things to say to people who sit around in their synagogues. Lots of strong things to say to people who have been in the synagogues. Lots of strong things to say who people say they are the children of God and nobody else can come in. Lots of strong things to say to people who have followed the rules, followed the checklist, grown up with everything, but really no heart or relationship. But he doesn't ever dismiss himself from the local church as it was then which I think is fascinating I think it's a fascinating thing that Jesus keeps staying in the synagogues teaching and wrestling and partnering with and exploring and bringing new even bringing new life into the synagogues we'll see times where Jesus brings healing into the synagogues in ways that they haven't experienced before last week we read the text who is this man We've not heard teaching like this and with authority. It's powerful and it's dynamic, but it doesn't stay there. He doesn't just show up to the synagogue and say, well, that was all very nice, home time now. He takes ministry with him. Ministry is who he is. Mission is who he is. Relationship is who he is. Relationship with the Father being poured out into the community. He goes into a home. He steps into a home. Simon Peter's home, not Simon and Andrew's home. And so I think this is fascinating too. So uh, Simon tells Jesus that his mother-in-law is sick. Just in natural conversation. We don't know what else the conversation has, but this seems important enough that becomes the highlight Simon just says, oh, by the way, Jesus, my mother-in-law's crook. That's it. And Jesus walks in. Now, this is a fascinating text because of what we don't hear. We don't hear Simon, um, we don't hear Simon's mother-in-law declaring faith in Jesus. And we don't hear the conversation where Jesus says, what is it I can do for you? It's pretty obvious, but there are other scriptures where Jesus says, what can I do for you? What would you like? Would you like to be healed? This is just a natural conversation where Simon tells Jesus about his mother-in-law's need and Jesus responds to the need. No declaration of faith, no long-winded prayer, 
no crying out and Jesus just walks in, touches on the hand, says a few words we assume and she's healed. It's a beautiful, I mean that's just mind-boggling isn't it? Just blows me away every time I read this text. I might say that a lot this year. I, I hope your head gets, and your heart and your spirit gets as blown as much as mine as I read through this gospel. Um, they told Jesus, so he went to her, took her hand. The fever left her, and her response to Jesus is to serve. So Jesus has been in the synagogue, he's been in the home. And next we see, he's, he's still in the home, thanks Gary, in the next verse, uh, after sunset, so it's after Sabbath, sunset, uh, we're assuming it's Sabbath, people have come and they've been released, if you like, or Sabbath has stopped, so now the crowd's out and about, they've heard about Jesus, they brought uh, Jesus, they, they brought to Jesus the crowd, and Jesus is in the community. He's with the community. He's ministering as a part of the community. He's responding to the community's needs. This is the natural way of life for Jesus. Are you seeing this? Is this, like I say, it's not very complicated, is it? And I don't, I don't want to oversimplify it, but Jesus has simply used this natural rhythm where he's gone to church, if you want to use that language, and then he's gone and had a conversation with someone and he's been invited into someone's home. He's heard about someone's need. He's responded to that. And then he's faced the community and he's simply responded to the need of the community. What a great ministry. No fuss. It's just a beautiful expression and he, and he heals people and he restores people and he casts demons out. Now what's fascinating out here is that we hear the driving out of many demons um, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Is anyone else puzzled by that statement? Yep. Okay, cool. Hopefully I can explain it in 30 seconds for you. Here we go. You can say that Jesus is Lord and not submit to him. The time for declarations, no point the enemy declaring that Jesus is Lord if they're not willing to submit to him, especially if Jesus is not willing to reveal himself, especially when his way of revealing himself is that he serves to a point where he gives his whole life and that's where he's revealing himself in his serving not because someone declares who he is, not someone puts him in a position of status or power or authority, even, not even the enemies. And Jesus isn't interested in the declaration of the demons who know who he is, you are the Holy One of God, the Son of God, you are the Saviour of the world, if they're not willing to submit to him. And I suspect, well I don't suspect, that's, actually pretty true for all of us. One of the most difficult things to do is actually to submit to Jesus. I've met a lot of people who say, oh yeah, Jesus is Lord, really. What's that look like in your life then? How's that expressed in your marriage as you tell me how angry you are with one another? How's that expressed with your colleagues? What kind of expression... Let's talk about Jesus as Lord about your finances. 
Let's talk about the way that Jesus is Lord when you've got challenges about moral or ethical issues and or your friends are asking you to do a particular thing. And, and you, know, you know in your heart of hearts, it's not really, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, that's not how he wants you to live and he needs you to stand apart. He wants you to stand apart and he wants to give you the courage to stand apart. But your friends are here, screaming in your ears. Is Jesus Lord then? It's one thing to declare Jesus is Lord. It's another thing to submit to him as Lord. So then we go on, thanks Gary. And Jesus just gets up quietly without any fuss and he spends some time on his own. Solitary place, a lonely place. Now, spends time on his own. He spends time, we assume, with God, deepening, strengthening the relationship with the Father. Now, what you don't see here is a formula. Is anyone else frustrated by that? I think this is one of the great barriers to the Christian faith. Is that we think we have to tick off a list in our relationship with God. Is reading scripture good? Healthy? Yes. Is spending time in prayer good and telling Jesus our needs and our requests before the Father? Yes, Scripture tells us to do that. But I just love that Jesus went off to a solitary place. And I'm reminded that sometimes I need to actually step back from the checklist and what I think is the right thing to do, the expected thing to do, and simply enjoy being with the Father. Being in the presence of the Father, sitting quietly. And I've said it before and we encourage again, I challenge us, go to a spot and leave your phone in the other room and just sit quietly. And when your mind gets distracted, don't get guilty about it. It's not about guilt. It's not about, oh, I'm failing God. No, all right, God. Oh, my mind's got distracted. Where did I go there? Well, let's come back to you, Father. Whatever my mind's distracted with, I bring that to you, Father. I just want to enjoy the relationship with you. What does it look like to enjoy a relationship with the Heavenly Father? To be at peace in a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Simon comes to him. I love this. Uh, Simon, Jesus, the crowd's looking for you. Do more of it. Heal more. Release more. Cast out more demons. It's working. You are a superstar. And Jesus says, <laughs> oh, let's go somewhere else. Because actually, while I can heal and while I will heal, my greatest calling and my greatest purpose is to proclaim the good news of God the Father, restoring relationship. And that's the greatest healing any of us could ever know. To be in a relationship, life-giving, holistic, abundant relationship with God. See, while the, while the disciples, and I mean this isn't even interesting, if you look at Simon's response as opposed to his mother-in-law's response, his mother-in-law got up and served. Simon isn't yet at a place where he's able to serve Jesus. He, come on Jesus, let's go, the crowds, let's get excited. We can be so busy paying attention to the crowd that we lose our purpose. So a few highlights for you. 
Gary, if you just want to put it on the title slide, mate, on the follow image if you like, that's fine. Here's some things to consider, some questions that I'm pondering and I invite you to ponder. Um, let us continue to grow in worship. Let us to continue to commit to worship. Let us um, be in worship. But what does worship look like on an ongoing basis for us? Personally, as a community, what investment am I willing to make in that time of worship? Church is changing. Church has changed. Has been changing. I don't know if you've caught up with this. Has been changing for a number of years. But the good news of Jesus Christ has not changed. Now we need to find different ways to express that. I love the church. I feel strongly called to the church. I feel passionate about the church. Um, but I'm also really mindful, even as I watch Jesus walk in and out of the church, the church has been changing for thousands of years and yet the message of Jesus Christ still brings freedom and hope. And he continues to build his church according to his purposes. So what does it look like for me to submit to that and to follow that and to be obedient to that? Um, who am I already sharing life with? Who are you already sharing life with? What if, what if to start with, if we, you know, if our hearts, if our hearts ache for friends or for family, and I know some of us are doing this, so it's an encouragement or a reminder, or for some of us it might be a a, a push along, however you want to receive this. But what if um, our heart is to simply bring the needs of our family and our friends to Jesus, and then trust Jesus with how He serves them and cares for them and responds to them? Certainly there's other times where we need to take more ownership, where we need to declare more powerfully, where we need to be more courageous in our proclamation of the kingdom and more uh, courageous in the proclamation of who Jesus is and why we follow Jesus and our story of revelation, our story of healing. Nobody can argue with our story. But I can't help but wonder sometimes if the starting place might just be to bring the needs of our loved ones to Jesus and let Jesus do the ministry. So keep bringing the needs of our loved ones to Jesus. Don't be discouraged. I know it can seem discouraging. Some of you have been praying for children. Some of you have been praying for husbands. Some of you have been praying for wives. Some of us have been praying for colleagues for a long time. I know that can seem discouraging. Trust Jesus. Because Jesus will minister to their needs. Firmly believe that. What does it look like for us to participate in the community? Our church has changed dramatically. And I know that some of us, we're missing our tea and our coffee, we're missing our morning tea on a Sunday. Do you know what? Your home's open. Cafes are open. Parks are still open. Who do you see that maybe this afternoon you can say, hey, why don't you come... If you're not comfortable having people to your house, don't make a big deal of it. You might not have the gift of hospitality, but it might just be, hey, do you want to catch up at a cafe? Or do you want to grab a coffee and we'll go to the park? Or do you want to grab takeaway lunch and let's go to the park? Is it, is it raining outside? I don't know. hope it's warmed up a little bit. Summer. <laughs> but like, 
I know there's great things that we can do together and we love being together, but the best work, the best conversation happens in smaller groups. We could all advocate for that, can't we? See, my job here is not to give you all the answers. My, my heart, my passion, my call to the church and my... You know, and I've wrestled with this whole Sunday morning thing and you know, there's plenty of arguments why we should or shouldn't and yet I still believe that it's powerful and dynamic to encourage, to empower, to release and to see you, us, serve the kingdom of God. To let us know that we're not on our own in this. To come back and tell the stories with one another. Oh yeah, I took so and so out for... Um, coffee this week or I met with them and you know it wasn't a family I was nervous as I'll get out I was sweaty and nervous and stumbled over my words but I'm just praying like crazy that Jesus changes their lives I wonder if that would make our ministry a whole lot more relaxed and yet a whole lot more dynamic um, who are we praying for who can we invite uh, who can we minister to? And keep bringing their knees. If you hear their knees, just bring their knees. You might be brave enough to say, you know, can I pray for you in that moment? But if you're not brave enough, okay, well, Jesus, here's the needs. And be intentional about praying for them over that week. And then catch, catch up with them the next week or ring them up or send them a text and say, hey, I'm just wondering how you're going. You spoke about that. What's happening there? I'm praying for you. And then pray for them again. Um. Don't let the crowds determine your purpose. I was thinking about this. Um, Andrea and I, while we were on holidays, I took Andrea uh, with May and Jack uh, to watch the um, BBL, Big Bash League. Is anyone a fan of Big Bash League or not? You have a couple of fans of Big Bash. Um, 10 years of Big Bash, 20, 20, 20 overs um, each for each side. I haven't been to a Big Bash game. Andrea hadn't actually been to the MCG so uh, it was just unreal to be able to take uh, Andrea to the MCG and just watch her just take it all in. I mean, it's just, just for that exercise, every time I go to the MCG, I go, it's huge. The crowds will always gather. People tell us the crowds are dying off and gathering is the church. Nonsense. It's where passion is that people gather. It's where passion is that people gather. Now, I, I go to the BBL. doesn't mean I follow the BBL. It doesn't even mean I'm a cricket player. Do you know there's a lot of people? Jesus isn't interested in crowds. He's not interested in consumers. He wants us to follow him. Simple as that. You can come and be a crowd, part of the crowd and like I said, I love the crowd. I want to see the crowd be encouraged, empowered, released to serve. But man, it's a lot of wasted life if all you do is sit around and be a part of a crowd. Wouldn't you think? When Jesus says, yeah, you can be a part of the crowd, <laughs> but the best part of life is if you're going to follow me and actually submit to me. That's the best thing. So don't let the crowd determine your purpose. The crowd will yell at you every now and then. The crowd will invite you to be along. The crowd will get you excited every now and then. The crowd will stir your passion every now and then. But your purpose is in relationship with God first.
There's nothing wrong with the crowd, nothing wrong with being part of the crowd, but don't lose sight of your purpose just by going with the crowd. So your purpose is in relationship with the Father. Your purpose is in getting up and serving him. And it doesn't have to be huge. I know we might be sitting here going, oh, I don't know how to serve. I, you know, I'm too old to serve now. You know, youth and children's ministry, I've done that. That's my time. Well, pray for it. Prayer is the great. If your body is tired and worn out and frail, prayer is the greatest ministry that you can offer the next generations and let them know that you are doing it and follow them up. But your purpose is in relationship with God and serve him first. Now, the other thing that came to me, and I've shared this on Friday night uh, as, we got, uh, as we got together as part of the Daring Cohort, um, and I, maybe it's because I'm in that space and my heart and my prayer is for our children's and youth ministry to be awoken again and stirred with a new way, with a new heart for mission, with a new heart for following Jesus, a new heart for worship and, and seeing our children who are passionate about following Jesus. Where are the children in this story? In fact, where are the children throughout all the Gospels? Any ideas? Any? Sorry? Close to Jesus? Yeah, this was root. disciples wanted to drive them away and say, the kids, you've been in distraction. Where do, you think the, where do you think the children are happening in this story? Watching. And I suspect with all their mates, they're running in and out and they're, they're seeing Jesus you know, they're seeing Jesus heal someone and maybe they're screaming and shouting and celebrating and all the kids are going. And the parents are going, that's Jesus. You want to influence a crowd? Tell your kids about Jesus. Because it's our responsibility to raise our kids. It's our responsibility. How do, we, how do we talk to our kids about the church? How do we talk to our kids about faith? How do we talk to kids about when things aren't going right? How do we point people, our children, to Jesus at home? How do we speak about children when they're running around in a place like this? Do we get annoyed and grumble about them? Or do we celebrate them? Do we take the time to sit down and get to know their names and have a 30-second conversation where they might grunt at us and they keep running because they're too busy and too excited? That's okay. We don't have to take it personally. We get the opportunity to bless and speak in and pray. If all we get in a conversation is their name, and then next week we go and say, Hello. Hello, Addie. Hello, Angie. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Jack. Hello, Tom. What if, what if we did that and our kids started getting, hey, someone knows me here. I'm seen, I'm noticed, I'm celebrated. Do you think that kind of passion would be infectious? Who can we invite? Oh, and the other, the other I almost forgot, didn't I? I spoke about it. You know, keep being with Jesus. 
So this is a beautiful rhythm that Jesus creates for us. Be a part of people who will celebrate and cheer you on and encourage you in life and empower you and speak into your life. Invite others to speak about your relationship with Jesus. Remember your purpose. Be in relationship. Don't get distracted by the crowd. Spend time with Jesus. And we will see over the next few weeks, over the next year, how Jesus uses this rhythm to bring blessing, to bring hope, to bring purpose, to bring meaning, to bring freedom. And some of us might be getting stuck in some one area or the other. If it's hard to share our faith or it's hard to invite people, that's okay. Don't get overwhelmed by it. It's not about a guilt thing. It's not about an expectation thing. God, how can I do this? How can I do this in a way that best reflects who I am and my purpose in relationship with you? God, I'm stuck in my relationship with you. I'm stuck in spending time with you. I'm so overwhelmed. The house is full. The kids are noisy. I've got to get up and go to work early. I don't get home to work till late. How am I going to spend time with you, Father? Spend, would you reveal a way, Father, that I can spend time with you? I just want to enjoy a relationship with you, God. You can ask those questions. And I believe God will bless us in that. This is a, I think, thanks team, as the team comes up, I just want to encourage us today in our rhythm. In the rhythm of life, in the rhythm of ministry, in the ministry of serving uh, one another, in the blessing of serving one another wherever we are, in the blessing of sharing our faith wherever we are. Sometimes we get it, let's celebrate it. Sometimes we miss it, let's learn from it. All of this is an invitation to follow Jesus. Please don't just be a part of the crowd. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, this is all very nice. I'm just part of the crowd. You're missing it if it's just part of the crowd. If you're just waiting for me to do something miraculous for you, you might be disappointed this year. I'd love to see more miracles. Don't, don't get me wrong. But more, the greater miracle is actually seeing all of us in relationship with the Father, living a life-giving, abundant relationship with Him, that we get passionate about serving and following Him and everything that we do, everything that we say, in conversation with the crowds, we're saying, I'm following Jesus. I'm following Jesus. When the crowds yell at us and tell us we're stupid and silly and come and have some fun or do the same thing or when, we, when the crowds might distract us, I'm following Jesus. And I get that it might seem weird and your friends might, I don't, know, I don't know what friends do these days if they don't agree with you. But they need to see life in you. They need to see Jesus in me, in us. May we be a people who live in rhythm with Jesus as we walk with him.